0: Radio advertising is good. Why should you advertise on the Tam Talk Radio Network, AM 1340? Well, it's simple. We are a local radio station with local shows that target our local communities and local listeners. We have a variety of shows that cover a multitude of informative and interesting topics, such as automotive and boating, real estate and finance, health and medical, politics and law, sports and fishing, pet care, and more. While we are even home to Imus in the Morning. We also have shows about comedy, food and dining, religion, fashion, local community events and activities. And a variety of music. Talk radio provides a listening format that appeals to a large cross section of people. Whether you are in your car, at work, at home, everyone has a radio. And we are streamed live on the internet. And past shows are podcasted, so you, the listener, can play back your favorite shows over and over again. The possibilities are endless. So that, my listeners, is why you should advertise on the Tam Talk Radio Network, AM 1340. Listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years experience with classic vintage sport and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, Call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, a.m. 1340. Professor, do me a favor. Take a look out that window there and tell me what the wind is doing. I would say that we have a 15-knot wind. Would you call that a headwind, Professor?
1: I would, Mr. Hughes. You must insist that we maintain silence.
2: We must have quiet during this. Power coming up. Power coming up. Power kills. Just alerted it. You can ask everyone to hold on. Send this horsepower, ticking up. Let me hear it all. 25 miles per hour. 30. Here we go. Here we go. 35. Let's move up to 25. 35 40, and he pushes the throttle and 40 45 45, 45, for throttle, 45 50, 50, 50 50 over a choppy 55 55 60 65 70 75 at least we are airborne. We are airborne, ladies and gentlemen. I don't believe that Howard Hughes meant this to be. I don't know. And we were really up in the air. Really up in the air. Ladies and gentlemen, the new mammoth aircraft has flown this afternoon in Los Angeles Harbor. Uh, certainly looks at this moment uh, that our Jews will be around the United States for quite some time to come.
0: Okay, hey, welcome everybody. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And as usual, we got a couple good songs, we got some clips, and we have a very, very, very interesting and special guest with us this evening. So, hey, run to your computers, go to uh, Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can tune in and listen to us and see us live. I'm waving right now, okay, on the studio. And also, if you do want to send us an email, go ahead and email us at... Golfstreamradio at gmail dot com. That's Golfstreamradio at gmail dot com. How you doing, Cedric? What's up this evening? Oh, not much. How, how are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Welcome to the station, here. <laughs> it's good to be good to be here today. Yeah. All right. So we got that first uh, song. Tuned up here on our little uh, record player back there, our little forty-five. On the on the,
2: on the yeah, on the phonograph, I'm getting uh, it queued up right. Now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Hey, we got some uh, stuff we'll be talking about a little bit later, but I'm really excited to talk to our guests this evening. This guy's a really, really, really cool guy for all you street riders out there. As a matter of fact, hot rodders, um, you're really going to appreciate this show tonight. This is going to be one of the really, really, really great ones. We're going to log on to our archives here, but anyway, go ahead and uh, spin the turntable. Still working on it. Anyway. So, uh, oh, yeah, we got some car shows coming up this week. Uh, Be sure to go to, don't forget, we got the Quaker Steak and Lube. That's every Thursday night. And uh, Randy Hagwood has got a little thing. He's got this group now. It's called the Tampa Bay Street Rodders Group, okay? And what he's been doing around 7 o'clock, if all you guys show up down there at the Quaker Steak and Lube and all you local guys know where that's at. That's off 49th Street there, just on the other side of the overpass on US-19 or off of US-19. And at 7 o'clock, if you guys want a caravan With us down to, I think it's called the Twisted Something or Other down in St. Pete Beach, some twisted fish joint down there but anyway we went down to last week and uh it was pretty cool uh my buddies mark and doug and uh pete and all those guys were down there and of course randy and i want to thank the people down there at uh the twisted tuna or twisted something or other down there. i can't think of the name it escapes me but anyway show up at uh take a lube tomorrow night at well the show starts usually around five o'clock they hand out awards like around 7 30 and stuff but we are bugging out of there at seven o'clock and we're making that cruise down to the beach so anyway how we doing Sud? got that thing cool beans Thank <laughs> you. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat, right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, and nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar & Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar & Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Krabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. Okay, you're back, and in case you just tuned in, this is Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Where well, we talk about cars. We've got some really cool music that we play, occasionally some commercials, and, or vintage car commercials, vintage commercials, and vintage movies clips. And we have a very, very... We always have a very special, interesting guest with us. But tonight, we have an exceptional guest with us. So I'm not going to be going on to a lot of little dialogue this time. I'm going to just kind of cut it short here, because I really want to get my special guest on for the evening. At any rate, uh, don't forget, it's Wednesday night. It's open mic night at Naughty Nancy. So if you guys want to give her a call over there, 727-446-3717. Remember, that's right behind the studio here off Myrtle Avenue. We are a quarter mile north of Drew Street. And she's right on the trail, right behind the studio. So that's 727-446-3717. And mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you will get a free drink, okay? You might get another surprise, too, because she's got some surprises over there. Great place to eat, great sandwiches, just really cool place, and it's a cool hangout, okay? And as well as Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Colorado Beach, they've got an open mic night, okay? So once you've been to Naughty Nancy's, head on down to the beach. Okay, and check out our friends down there at Grabby's uh, Beachwalk Bar and Grill and say hi to, uh, let's see, I guess it's uh, Jennifer over there just uh, running the uh, um, open mic night. Anyway, and then, hey, I want to say a big shout out and a big hello to my buddy Doug at the Sign Shop. If you guys need decal stickers and all kinds of cool stuff like that, he's making some really cool decals and stickers for our radio show, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So uh, give Doug at the Sign Shop a call, 727-278-9659. That's 727 727- 278-9659, okay? And don't forget, we got the car show tomorrow. It's Quaker's Taking Lube and the Cruise going down to the some sort of Twisted Fish. So it's down there in St. Pete, so all you guys that know St. Pete Beach. That's where it's at. I'm not a seafood lover, but, hey, if it was Twisted Hamburgers, I'd know all about it. I'd find it. Anyway, hey, uh, let's see. What do we got in there? We got another song coming up. We, I think we got our guests on the line okay well he's gonna be on here shortly meanwhile I guess I'll just start blah uh, blah 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 hey just in case you guys didn't know uh you know I kind of pedal uh classic and antique cars and I do do pre-purchase inspections and I do do appraisals and stuff and last night I went up to uh Duport Richard to go check out a 57 Thunderbird for uh not 57 bird a 57 Chevy for a friend of mine and I gotta tell you you know this is a that was a pretty cool car it was decent. Had a little of the usual rot, you know, nothing major, you know. I mean, other than that, the whole undercarriage in the car was pretty solid. The little outriggers were a little rotted out and maybe had some bubbles in the, uh, um, you know, the rocker lower uh, um, heels of the fenders and the dog legs and stuff like that. But overall, pretty decent car. But So I'm going to write a little report on that and send it to the guy. But just in case you guys uh, aren't aware, it's really a good idea to have, have a professional person I'm fairly professional, fairly knowledgeable. As you know, I come from the salvage yard business, so I've got a lot of car expertise. I've done some vintage racing, done some you know hot rodding, done some street racing, done a little of everything, done some, some dismantling, some body work, some repair work. So I'm kind of like a, uh, I guess you'd say a jack of all trades, you know? Not that that's kind of cliche or anything like that. But if you guys are thinking about buying a car, and you're looking for somebody with a lot of expertise to help you make the right decision when you purchase your uh, classic or antique, uh, feel free to give me a call. My number is 727-541-1741. That's 727-541-1741. And be sure and call me, Robert, at Gulfstream Motorsports and or appraisals. And uh, I will be sh- glad to help you guys out. Make sure you guys don't uh, wind up with some... Really, really nasty car. Keep in mind now, a lot of these cars are 50, 60 years old, so they're not going to be brand new. They will have some issues. And unless you've babysitted these cars from day one to present, you really don't know the history of car. The only safe bet is, is if you buy an original one-owner car, and they're few and far between, and you've got good documentation and good history, You know, as in the case of warranty cards, protector plates, build sheets, You know, if you've got a Pontiac PHS, if you've got a Ford, a Marty Report, uh, you know, things like that. But I, there's nothing better than having a bill sheet, a bill of sale, an invoice, any of that kind of information, and a history of documentation. That way, you're always safe and you're always covered. And as far as values of the cars, I don't know if anybody had a chance to uh, check out Barrett Jackson. It was on TV this weekend. The values are all over the board. And if you guys witness, the cars that are really, really good brought the money. The cars that are questionable didn't do so well value-wise. And it doesn't matter whether you're buying an early 50s uh, Chevy or Ford truck, uh, a mid-year Corvette, or if you're buying a Mustang, or if you're buying a vintage Austin Healy, or a Porsche, or a Jag, or a Cunningham, or anything like that, always do your homework, do your research, contact a professional, try to find a guy that's an expert at that. But, you know, the cars are all over the board, but there's nothing like having a cool car that you can cruise the weekends with, you know, get the family involved, and it's a big, big, fun, fun hobby. So, uh, hey, Seth, how are we doing over there? Pretty good? Okay. All right. Well, anyway, so uh, we are trying to dial up our guest tonight. And uh, as a matter of fact, you know what I might do? I might – well, no, I'm not going to introduce. I'm going to keep you guys in suspense. But, uh, hey, you know what? we got another clip coming on, another song or something like that. Why don't you go ahead and roll that real quick in the meantime? And uh, now keep in mind, guys, when I do this, um, the songs and the clips, a lot of that stuff that I play – really is relevant to our guests. Because one of the things that I do is I try to accommodate our guests. I try to make them feel, you know, give them a real good comfort level. So what I try to do is I try to find out a little bit about their hobbies, some of their music tastes, some of their movie tastes, some of their, you know, if he's a Ford guy, a Chevy guy, a Chrysler or whatever, a foreign car guy. And uh, so keep in mind that a lot of the songs that I play um, are a lot of the times often the selection of the guests, okay, or at least the genre or the, the musician and things of that nature, okay? And then, of course, the movies, they may be there, you know, something that they suggested that they'd like to hear. So, remember, this is a nostalgic, the nostalgic radio and car show, okay? So, it's all about nostalgia. And we have our guest on the line, so he'll be on in a few minutes. Let's go ahead and roll this uh song real quick. And uh we'll be back shortly. So, you guys stay tuned. listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great pizza shop right here in downtown Clearwater, Bro's Pizzeria, voted number one in the city of Clearwater. They're located at 547 South Fort Harrison Avenue. They have great New York-style pizza, as well as delicious lasagna, spaghetti and meatballs, manicotti, linguine. And if you're in the neighborhood for lunch, they have great hot and cold sandwiches and appetizers. So call 727-441-6025 for takeout and deliveries, or stop by for a veal parmesan dinner and a nice glass of vino. That's Bro's Pizzeria. Check out their website and watch my friend Olty create a spectacular pizza before your very eyes. What would you like on your pizza? Call Bro's Pizzeria, 727-441-6025. That's 727-441-6025. And tell them Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey, listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. As most of you know, I'm in the car business, and often I need cars towed. Well, Kotaka's Towing has all the trucks and equipment to meet your needs. Whether it's long distance, short distance, or just around the corner, they can get it done. Kotaka's Towing, located at 1141 Court Street in Clearwater. Also, they have a full-service repair and body shop to meet all your automotive needs. So give my friends Lefty and Joey a call at Kotaka's Towing, at 727-447-1952. And be sure to mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you might get a discount. Okay, hey, we're back, and in case you just tuned in, this is Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Now, for a lot of you guys, you listeners out there, you know, we were talking about the music a little earlier. Now, that last song was actually done by a group called the Moving Sidewalks, and that was a very, very early band that Billy Gibbons was uh, involved with, okay, of ZZ Top fame. So, of course, you know, he's a big car guy, so, you know, we could try to keep the car in the th- in the, in the groove with the car thing. So, uh, anyway, hey, we got that other little clip soon set up? All right, we got a quick clip here and then we will introduce our special guest for the evening.
1: Fancy looking machine you got there. Oh, would you take it out, please? You mind if I uh, take a look under the hood? Sure. Everything and the kitchen sink. What did you do? 75 and 10. 75 and 10? that a fact? It's a fact. Hmm. Oh, uh, you know what the uh, speed limit is here? 35. Uh huh. You know how fast you were going? 38. Fox it forty. Two wheels. My oh, wheels? You got oversized wheels. That throws your speedometer off some. <laughs> well, I heard a lot of stories of mine today. It was the first time I heard of that. That's fine. fact. Uh huh. Lock it up, we're going in. You serious? Uh-huh.
0: Okay, we are live and in case you guys didn't know, that was a scene from the movie The California Kid. Now let me tell you about my my special guest for the evening. This guy is a hot rider, and was on the Southern California scene back in the day, the hot rod scene, okay? Started out back in the 50s, came up uh, through the 60s, had some really cool hot rods, street rods. He's had a notorious 32 Ford, then the infamous 34 Ford, which was featured in the movie, okay? He's a very modest guy. He's uh, got an extensive career. I really... You know, it's really hard to describe this guy, but you know what? I'm going to get him on the air, and I'm going to let him tell his story. So without further ado, I am delighted to introduce to my show this evening, Pete Chapores from SoCal Speed Shops. Pete, are you there?
1: Yes, Robert. I'm here. How are you doing?
0: Pretty good. Welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you very much. Thanks for asking.
0: So uh, how you been?
1: Yeah, we're good over here. Everything's rolling right along. We've uh, survived the downturn. You know, we don't sell bread and milk, so it's a, it's a bit of a struggle, but we're good.
0: Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about pizza Porce. Who is pizza Porce, and how did you get started in the hot rod business, and how did you become such a legendary guy in the field?
1: Well, it certainly wasn't intentional. I I, uh, I grew up in a hot rod family, and so I didn't really have much choice. My dad had customs, and my uncle raced um, uh, hot rods on the lake that, uh, you know, pre-World War II, so all I've ever heard about was, Craiger this and Frontenac that and Rajo and, you know, all th- different kinds of frames, willies. And so it's just always been in my, it's always been in the genes.
0: So now, what, your first car was what? It was a 32 Ford Roadster, right? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I got a, I had a Deuce Roadster for a while, but I'd fallen in love with a Model A coupe that, grilled, that Gil Granucci built up in the Bay Area. And so I, uh, which I people get, they're shocked. I sold the roadster and built this Model A instead. But at the time, you know, back in 1956, it was kind of what was happening, and and um, I was the first guy in my school to have a small block Chevy. So I was taking flatheads out and uh, putting in V8 overhead V8s at the time. So I kind of got away from the flathead thing a little early. But, uh, you know, like most guys, you know, you step up for the next fastest product, and that's what was going on.
0: So then uh, eventually what happened? You teamed up with a friend of yours, and then you kind of started uh, building some hot rods on the side. Is that kind of how the story went? Yeah,
1: I was building stuff in my dad's garage, you know, when I was about 14, and you know, learned how to weld in school and had some mentors that were a little bit older. And, and then um, got out of school, went in the Marine Corps, got out worked at Clayton Manufacturing, where I worked on the dyno line, so I knew all about dynamometers and such, and then was still building cars in the garage, and I met Jim Jacobs. And uh, he was one of the one of the editors of Rod and Custom Magazine at the time, and he was building a coupe, and I was putting my three-window together, and we struck up a, a real good friendship, and then that turned into uh, a company called Pete and Jake's
0: now when Pete and Jakes was around you guys were what was your what was your main forte there was it building cars or was it a, kind of like a speed shop or what was the thing that you uh, guys we, had going on we up?
1: actually started out with a repair shop and we were taking a lot of cars that had been put away for years and the guys were bringing them back out they'd kind of survived the muscle car era and the guys that I mean a lot of hot rodders went into the muscle car thing and then when the muscle car thing kind of went on went on went sideways uh, they were dragging out their 40 Ford's and their roadsters and stuff and a lot of them needed to be worked on and brought up just and Jake and I kind of specialized in making the cars a lot safer than they were back in the early 50s. So it was just kind of like rehabbing cars. And then that turned into a, a parts business. And about three or four years into the deal, we decided that we would go back to building hot rods for ourselves. And we started a uh, a hot rod parts company that became very successful and we ran that for about 15 years
0: So did you actually get into manufacturing specific parts I mean like suspension components and things of that yeah, nature all,
1: yeah we we actually manufactured everything in-house at the time there was no such thing as going offshore so we manufactured you know motor mounts and front end components we were we partnered up with a guy named Jim Ewing who uh, started the super bell axle company so we got into that we were we were first on the block with, with a fabricated axle instead of a, a dropped uh, forged Henry, you know, Henry Ford type. Um, we were at the leading edge of the resurgence of high riding that actually kind of got its start about 1968 with Gray Baskerville and the guys uh, at Rodden Custom kind of bringing all this back. And so when Jake and I got together in 72, uh, it was pretty well on the way. And then we kind of just sealed the deal. We've been. Blessed with uh, the, I, I guess what guys would say is, is that, but with the main thing that we contributed is what we legitimized it and we made it safe, and so I've always been really proud of that because a lot of stuff that was out there was was pretty dangerous because it was homemade,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we utilized the the Chevy and Ford mantra of uh, build it seven times stronger than it needs to be, just like the you know just like the OES do, and you know knock wood, we've never had any kind of a problem with anything we've ever made since, you know, 1972,
0: 73. When you you guys were doing this like in the early 70s, so like you kind of like, and and that was kind of like the peak of the muscle car era, when you were doing the street rods and uh, and and more or less rod, hot rods in general, was, did you guys have a lot of competition back then or was it, uh, you pretty much kind of ruled the roost there?
1: No, we didn't really have any competition for, well, we had some, but not much. Not for a long time, we kind of, we were kind of singled out and then, as it got more popular and the product started moving east, we found that uh, 85% of our business was east of the Mississippi River, and quite frankly, I think it still is. Um, that's where really where all the hot rotting goes on in this country is in the Midwest. I mean, some of the guys that have retired, they've moved to New Mexico and, you know, like Las Vegas and Phoenix, but by and large, it's still a, a Midwest uh, event. I mean that's where all the cars are, and I think it was a lot of people looking through the knothole you know in Kansas looking at the you know looking at what was going on on the west coast and and they it just really moved really strong through the midwest all through the sixties and seventies
0: you know um it's funny you mentioned that because <coughs> excuse me we've uh, I know a lot of guys um And I've read some articles, where, like, say, for example, Kansas, Wichita area. I mean, drag racing, street racing, uh, hot rod racing was huge then. But the perception is, is it really, only it started in California. I think California, and you can concur with this or not, is probably got the strongest movement. But as far as, just like you said, there's a ton of cars, you know, east of the Mississippi, in the Midwest... And actually, in the Carolinas, I was amazed at how many cars are in those areas. I mean, street rods, high rods are huge.
1: Well, that's, you know, that's where everybody lived. It was the hub. It's where you know, all, of the, all the manufacturing was going on in, in the middle of the country, you know, out of Cincinnati and Detroit and Chicago and all that was going on. And what, what happened, I think, was that because of Mr. Peterson, Robert Peterson and Hot Rod Magazine and Rod and Custom and, the, and Motor Trend and so on, they took the genesis of what we were doing out here. You know, we're blessed with weather, you know, almost, you know, 350 days a year. We, you can drive the car. I mean, it's dry out here. The cars are all well-preserved. And they they took the movement, and without those magazines taking the, taking the message east, I think we would have probably not have what we have today. So uh, there's so many magazines and so many companies started in 1946, was, which is absolutely post-war. Our company, SoCal Speed Shop, Alex's company, started in 1946, and so did Fender Guitar. So, I mean, it's these guys coming back from the war and had the need for speed. They, they built all these really righteous cars They went out and ran at the lake pit, and then Mr. Peterson built these magazines, this huge publishing company, and took the word east. And the rest is history. I mean, you know, uh, I've done, I've been all over the country in a high rod. I mean, been. I think we've made 13 trips cross-country over the years. And I'm still just amazed at the amount of people that show up, like at the Street Ride Nationals, 12,000 cars. We have nothing like that here. Nothing. Really? I mean, not even close. 2,500 maybe. I mean, this is, you're talking about something that's, you know, Four or five times bigger. It's just really, it's it, it's incredible. We, well, I, my hats off to those guys because they've got such a small window of opportunity to drive their car. I don't know. Maybe the passion is stronger because they they don't get to go out as much as we do. You
0: know. Well, what about like Pomona and places like that? I mean, you got to got to have some huge events out there, don't you?
1: Nothing like it Nothing like Louisville. Louisville really? is just. It's. I mean, we just had the LA Rooster Show. And we get maybe thirty thousand people through the gate. We get another, you know, five or six hundred cars um, on display, and then probably another five or six hundred out in the parking lot, uh, preferred parking. And you know, I would I'd say that that show was. I mean, I'm probably talking over my head here, but I got to imagine it couldn't be more than about fifteen hundred cars. Lots of the spectators. Mm-hmm. Our open house, we do. We just had our 15th annual open house, and we only have room for we have room for 500 cars here. We put them out on the street, and then we have them around our facility. But we get 5,000 walk-ins, and it's 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 a monster. Uh, we have the in and out truck, and they they cook for they cook as hard as they can, as many burgers as they can, for three hours, and then they move <laughs> on. <laughs>
2: so
1: it's it's pretty. We got a lot of stuff going on. Don't get me wrong, but the organization of, of bringing that many people together in Louisville—my hats off to the NSRA and all of those guys. I think they do a tremendous job. I mean, good guys. Same thing. They have a—you know, have a really big event in Columbus, Ohio, and um, it's just an ocean of cars. It's, it's nothing. We have nothing like that.
0: Now, uh, let's back up a little bit, history-wise. How did you and Alex Exidius get to be pretty good friends?
1: Well, originally. I sold I sold Pete and Jake's in 1988, and I went to work for my friend Chuck Blum at SEMA, which mm-hmm. is the Specialty Equipment Market Association. They put on a big show in Vegas every year. It's all automotive aftermarket market and covers the uh, covers the gamut. Well, Alex was pretty active at, in SEMA as well, and I met him. I knew about him for years because I used to sit on the hay bales when I was nine years old at Pomona Drags with my dad and watch Alex run the double trek coupe. So. I've known about him and everything, and, and I got to be friendly with him when we go to these meetings, these SEMA meetings. And then, as time went on, I I just couldn't sit at a desk anymore, so I went back into a kind of a semi-retirement, moved up in the mountains. I had a real nice shop up there, and I met a, a fellow with name Bruce Meyer, and Bruce bought Alex's belly tank, and. Alex and I became really, really close. He would come up with Wally Parks, the president at the time before he passed away, of the NHRA. And these two guys would come up every couple of weeks to see how the car was coming along. It was being restored for the debut of the Peterson Museum. And uh, so we got to be very, very close. In fact, he's like a grandfather to my own children. And then as time went on, um, he started hanging around. My place down here, which was called the Pete Chaporis Group, and that, in fact, that's how that's how this whole thing came about. I I couldn't stand my name; it was just it, I couldn't even get a decent T-shirt out of it. It was just horrible. <laughs> and I was sitting up here one night by myself, and I looked over and saw this big model of the, of the uh, SoCal Belly Tank, and I thought to myself, I wonder if Alex still has a name. So I called him up. I mean, called him that night. And I said, you still got the name? Yeah, still registered? Yeah, pay the taxes? Yeah, I'm good, you know, and I said, oh, that's, that's great. I said, I got something I want to run by you. So I I invited him out to lunch, and a couple days later he came over, and I knew that he had been a, that he had been um, uh, asked by guys like Vic Edelbrock and Heretka and Mr. Gaskett. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're looking to buy that name, and, and he wouldn't sell it to anybody, so I thought my chances were pretty slim about resurrecting it. So. We went to lunch, and I told him what my plan was, and he said, I'm in, just like that. So my life literally changed in an afternoon. And um, three months later, we, we, uh, on November, in November of 1997, we had a, a, a press uh, party up at the, up at the uh, NHRA Museum Reunion in Bakersfield. And announced it, and the rest of its history. It just went right to the moon. It was just the most amazing thing I've ever been involved in.
0: Well, now you've uh, and and then you, so so basically, SoCal Speed Shop. Use you, you basically. Do you do you guys continue to manufacture um you know performance parts or reproduction parts for, for hot rods and street rods, or are you just yeah, mainly the, into building the cars? Is,
1: the company is threefold. We okay. have a, we have a car shop that we where we build hot rods. And, we've, and by and large, we're talking, you know, like 1928 Model A up through 44. But we do, we have done some Chevelles. We've done a couple Camaros. We've got a, there's a Mustang out in the shop right now, 65. And, um, and we do a lot of uh, race cars for Bonneville. So that's one part of it. We have a race shop and, a, and, a, and our hot rod shop. And then we have a, uh, we have a whole manufacturing facility for hot rod components. So we, we do complete chassis all the way down to making shackles. I mean, every conceivable part, we've got a 150 page catalog for that. And then we have like a, a memorabilia lifestyle, clothing, hats, jackets, all that kind of stuff. And we, we've been, uh, we been, we, we really try and stay post-war, pre-Elvis is kind of the style of our, of all of all of the stuff that we do. And it's been very successful and we've got, eight retail stores that are licensed around the country, that one in Canada, and then 85 dealers around the world.
0: Wow. So what are some of the interesting cars that you're doing for some of the celebrities that uh, we read about from time to time? And I know you're really good friends with uh, Billy Gibbons. As a matter of fact, uh, that we, I played that song for you that, uh, from Yeah, the early... that was awesome. I hadn't heard that in a while. <laughs> yeah, I figured you'd get a kick out of it.
1: Yeah. But... We've, we've done, over the years, I met Billy in 76, and... Um, the red eliminator coupe was. What he told me was, I want. I just want a California kid instead of black. I want a red. I mean, that's basically. That was the instructions I got. There was nothing. Nothing else to it. So, it started with that car, and then I've probably done. And I really. People ask me this all the time. I really need to count them. I think we've done about twelve or thirteen cars for him over the years. Every, every couple. It takes. It takes a long time to do a car for him because. He he feeds me his ideas when he's on the road, when he's you know when he's in concert, and so it's a nice break for him. We spent a lot of time on the telephone, and we've toured with him. I've toured with him all over the world. I've been to England, and been to New Zealand, and you know all over the place. And so the cars take a little bit more time because we have to kind of build them by braille, you know. I mean, it's just <laughs> sort of like over the phone, and then I've got to send him pictures and things. And it, but it's a very interesting process, and they and they've all been pretty good home runs. Um. We've, uh, we've done some work for Jeff Beck, and, it's in, and in the day now, back in, back in the day when we did the work for Beck, he and Billy had worked as roadies for Jimi Hendrix, and so they've been, they've been pals for a really long time in both Car Freaks, and lately they have been playing a lot together. There's a, there's a band that Eric Clapton puts together, and it's Billy Gibbons, Michael Anthony, Clapton, Jimmy Vaughn, and I'm leaving somebody out. But anyway, it's phenomenal. We, we've we been with them when they've all played together, and it's it, it's really incredible. So the, these guys are, and, and every one of them is are, are all car guys. Super. Yeah, all car guys. I mean, you know, Jeff Beck builds his own stuff. Roy, Roy Brizio is his main man now, which is really great, because Roy and I are all really good friends, family. And, uh, and Beck... Um, We'll buy like a chassis from Roy, and then he'll do all the bodywork and paint and fit up and everything himself. He's got a really beautiful home with a really killer garage. It's a place is called River Hall. It's it's just um, amazing place. So we were there last year. Went to Goodwood and and uh, participated in some really neat stuff over there with with hot rods and the rock and roll and fender guitar and all that good stuff.
0: Well, that's another thing too you were telling me earlier off air that you actually design and build guitars. True is that? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, that that was an interesting. I've always wanted cuz I'm I've I tried to play a bass and I tried to play guitar and it just doesn't work. I I, I there's something missing, you know. A <laughs> big void.
0: Practice. So, that's so anybody, that
1: that, anybody that's taught me how to play a little bit, they you know their their day jobs pretty safe. I'm, <laughs> there's No way I'm going to do that. I'm a welder. So, um, but I was talking to my friends at Fender, and uh, they were car guys, too. You know, it's all this car stuff. And I said, you know, I've always wanted to design a guitar. And he goes, this guy goes, well, go ahead. And I said, well, why don't you, you know, turn me on to your people, and I'll get together with them. he goes, I'm not interested in that. He said, I'm interested in seeing what you would do by yourself and how how it would come out. So I thought, well, that's a pretty good challenge. So I built three to start with, and they all sold for upwards of twenty grand a piece uh, for charity, and then I built another six or seven, and then we finally designed one for ourselves, and we built. They built a thousand of those guitars, the red and white guitars, and then I did three more for our sixtieth anniversary, and they all sold for right at ten grand a piece, and just. You know, it's kind of phenomenal, and so I've got this really great guitar collection, and um, I've got three of them up here in my office. And so whenever any of my guitar bells uh, show up, I've got an amp up here, and we jam. It's really fun.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. You're you have a studio there. Are you at your house? You're at the stu- you're at the shop right now, right? I'm
1: at the shop. Yeah, I've got a I've got a little studio here, and um, I'm an amateur uh, video maker and and i i' just I'm just learning all this stuff, but it's really fun i've got I'm set up to do B-roll and a lot of the TV work we do a lot of TV work and a lot of the TV stuff that I've done they've used my b-roll and and I, you know, I'm, we're all mic'd up and all that good stuff. we've got It's really a lot of fun it, the The technology today is just amazing.
0: Wow! Hey, there's a uh, the uh, tell us about a little bit about the and I know you want to talk about this too the art the Center for Automotive Arts the uh, auto body program you got for uh, for for kids for students right. for guys tell us a little bit about that.
1: Okay, well, when I went to work for SEMA, well, actually, back, back as far back as in, in the mid in the middle '80s, Jake and I we couldn't find any help that really were you know really tuned in because all the guys that were good had jobs or they had their own businesses, so there was. Nobody floating around to hire. Well, when I got to SEMA, I had an opportunity here again with my friend Chuck Blum to work on a new program, which was a scholarship foundation. So we we gathered up all kinds of money, and that thing is, in fact, it's very lucrative now, and they're giving away some pretty heavy scholarships. But, but through this whole thing, in the back of my mind, I wanted to have a school that was specific to underprivileged children, guys that were really good with their hands, that couldn't get a college education and probably couldn't go to school, it probably couldn't do a college anyway. And, and and for two reasons. One was a selfish reason. I wanted uh, I wanted I wanted trained, well trained young guys. I mean doesn't even the young part doesn't even work. Just well trained people to come into the automotive industry that knew how to heliarc weld and shape metal and cut tubing and and you know create really nice pieces and the selfish side of it was, we need the help, you know, so it's like twofold. So I I went to work on it quite a bit. Oh, you know, I've worked with different schools, and it, nothing panned out. So I thought, you know, we're just going to have to do this ourselves. And I ran into a guy named Jim Henwood that runs the Fomona Fairplex, where the drag races are. And he's the he's the president over there. And he and I got together, and they have a... Uh, an arena over there that um, that actually has been in. They've been in the school business since 1922, and it's been teaching people how to cook and do bakery and so on and so forth. So we added a a um, an um. automotive center to it to treat to teach auto skills, and then we decided maybe we take it one more step. So I brought my friend Alex's name into the mix because. On the property of the Fairplex, we have the Wally Parks Motorsports Museum, NHRA Motorsports Museum, and Alex and Wally were absolutely best friends for 50-some years, so I thought it would be really sweet to have Alex's name on a, on a building over here as well, and it would be on the same property as the Drag Strip. So we formed a committee, and we got, we, got, we got some high rollers together, and we got some movers and shakers, and so now we have the Alex Exidia Center for the Automotive Arts. So the school that we started originally is going to be kind of like a boot camp, and if a kid can get through it, then he can be selected if he passes all the tests and everything to come on board and become a craftsman. So we're teaching the manual arts in 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 anything automotive, as far as casting, um, you know, how you know metallurgy, how to you know how to how to shape metal with a roller or hammers, um, you know, chassis building, all that stuff. So it's in its infancy. We've only got we've got 20 students and two teachers, and we've done this in a year. And we're in a very small facility that's beautiful, set 1,200 square feet. But I'm meeting with the boys next week, and we've got a building over there that's 10,000 square feet. So we're going to take it on up.
0: Now, what is, how does somebody qualify? Let's say somebody's interested in this. How would they find out about it? How would they apply for it? And how would they get in?
1: Well, it's just a matter of of, of getting of going over to the Fairplex and talking to talking to, to the, the the it's called CTECH. so it's capital C, capital E, cap capital T, capital E, capital C, and it's just a matter of calling up over there and talking to uh, the ladies that are in charge of it, and they'll fill them all in, and you can go if you if you go to ctech.com, dot com, you can just go right up on the net and pick it up that way. And it's a, it. It isn't easy to get into, you know. I mean, we. If there's no tuition, and it's basically for for kids that have got the ability to do it that would never ever ever get a chance to do this. And I'm planning on getting some fellas in here that that I know that are in their 40s and 50s that need a job change. You know, they they lost their job with this with the turndown of of the you know the economy. And they need a a boost, and maybe they've been a hobbyist, and they can learn how to do it and make some money for their employer. So it's um, it's very exciting, and I think that it's nice to have Alex's legacy go on way beyond me or anybody else by having his name attached to that school.
0: That's fascinating. Now, how long does the program last? Let's say, for example, from start to finish, if I enroll, what 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 duration could I expect to uh, participate? Oh, it's two years. Okay.
1: Yeah. So if you the, the first thing they do is we, we get these kids in, and let's just say there's 25 or 30 of them. Mm-hmm. And we really do have a boot camp, and, and the boot camp is, is we, we teach the core values, you know, yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, uh, you know, got to come in clean, no dirty clothes, everything's pressed. I mean, it's it's basically my, my upbringing when I was going through Marine Corps boot camp because it really straightened me out. And there's so many kids today that they, those core values, their parents, they're from underprivileged, they're underprivileged kids and they, their parents have never taught them anything. And so you've got to get through the litany of this first. And it's all about tools and learning the tools and finding out how to keep things clean and, uh, you know, and how to, how to get in and get dirty and come back the next day ready for the next job. And it's really tough. And that thing, that lasts about eight weeks. And, and then we select kids out of that group and sometimes only two or three. You know, we're being real selective because it is the Center for Automotive Arts. I, we don't have time to waste on people that, you know, are out there screwing around.
0: Not serious, the, in other the words. The thing
1: that's nice about the other part of it is if a guy isn't, isn't suited for the automotive arts part of it, then he just goes to a manual arts division of CTECH, and he learns how to do air conditioning or whatever, you know. I mean, we're not going to lose any of these guys. We're trying to keep them all... In the automotive industry, it's just that the guys that we want, the craftsman part of it, we kind of want to treat them like we do the guys at, um, you know, at, uh, at Pasadena Art Center.
0: Yeah, the ones with special talent. We got yeah, a few...
1: It's the special talent thing. It's right. so important.
0: Exactly. You know? Hey Pete, we got a couple minutes left. Um, real quickly now, is this something you're just going to kind of keep in the California area, or is this something you might take nationwide, this program?
1: I would hope. I mean, I'm going to be really optimistic. I think we're going to be extremely successful because every school, there's no manual arts in any school that I know of, not anymore. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that, that the legislators would see the value in this because not everyone goes to college. And there's been a lot of high rollers right now that are telling kids, hey, man, you know, college may not be for you. Don't listen to that. You need to do this. And I think that that's where I come from. I, I have no college, and I've have done pretty well, and I'm real happy with. I mean, I'm real happy with my life, and. Um, I think we can we can turn a lot of people around. So yeah, I, I'd love to see it go worldwide. Probably not in my lifetime, but I'd sure like to see it happen.
0: Well, it'd be fair to say that you know even if you've got a skill or a talent, you know, and you can take that, and with someone like you who had not only the skill and the talent and the tenacity, but you also had the entrepreneurial spirit and the tenacity and the wherewithal to achieve what you did. So that that's something that could, could be preached to these kids as well. Would you say?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I say, we're just getting started with this. I mean, we've only, I mean, it's a year ago, we were out un, we were out in the parking lot at the Fairplex under four pop-up tents you know, outside. And we had to take the pop-ups down every day, and we stored them in this old paint booth. I mean, it was just horrendous. And so one year later, we're in this beautiful building. It's got all the equipment. We've had all kinds of people donate money and donate stuff, and we're on a fundraising program right now. And we are, I think, we're ready to go into this next building already. So we're going to be with the powers that be over there, and I think they're a little nervous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Pete, we're just about out of time. I want to thank you for coming on the radio show, especially Nostalgic Radio and Cars here, because we're just really excited to have you here. And don't forget, now we got the uh, Street Rod Nationals in Tampa, October fourteenth, in the auction. And if you can make it here, it'd be great because we do some serious plugs. In fact, we'll do a—you you get here early, we can have you sitting on the radio show, and you can do a gig with us. What do you think of that?
1: I think that'd be great. I really would. I'd I, I, I take you up on that. Let me see what the boys have got going, and we'll see where we are.
0: Maybe you know what we can do. We can do some PR for the uh, for that uh, C Tech, and maybe we can do an auction thing, and maybe auction off a guitar for the school for the program.
1: Yeah, that would be wonderful. Okay, that would be wonderful. I'd love to do that. That's that's kind of how this whole thing got started. So,
0: well, maybe you can help me do some of the PR in the meantime. How many seconds we got left there, Cedric? We're just about out. Okay, Pete, thanks for coming on the show. We're just okay. about out of time. I want to say thanks to everybody for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Tune in next week. We've got another super guest. It's open mic night at Naughty Nancy's. We're going to go over there. We're going to get some food. We're going to listen to some music. And, Pete, thanks. Take care. And everybody else, drive carefully. Stay safe. And love your family, man. It's all about having uh, family and friends. All right? You, bad, brother. Take We're, care. you too. Thanks for coming on the show. Bye bye. We're, Bye-bye. We're out of here.
2: Still, dug our treasures now.